Volume Three, Chapter Ten of Gwenwin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Gwenwin, A Romance of the Wye by Main Reed. Volume Three, Chapter Ten. An Unwilling Novice. Am I myself dreaming, or is it insanity? It is a young girl who thus strangely interrogates. A beautiful girl, woman-grown, of tall stature, with bright face and a wealth of hair, golden-hued. But what is beauty to her with all these adjuncts? As the flower born to blush unseen, eye of man may not look upon hers though it is not wasting its sweetness on the desert air but within the walls of a convent an english girl though the convent is in france in the city of boulogne sur mer the same in whose attached pensionnat the sister of major mahon is receiving education she is not the girl for kate mahon though herself beautiful is no blonde instead the very opposite besides this creature of radiant complexion is not attending school she is beyond the years for that neither is she allowed the freedom of the streets but kept shut up within a cell in the innermost recesses of the establishment where the pensionnaires are not permitted save one or two who are favourites with the lady superieure a small apartment the young girl occupies bedchamber and sitting-room in one in short a nun's cloister furnished as such are in a style of austere simplicity pallet bed along the one side the other taken up by a plain deal dressing-table a wash-stand with jug and basin these little bigger than tea-bowl and ewer and a couple of common rush-bottom chairs that is all the walls are lime-washed but most of their surface is concealed by pictures of saints male and female while the mother of all is honoured by an image having a niche to itself in a corner on the table are some four or five books including a testament and missal their bindings with the orthodox cross stamped upon them proclaiming the nature of the contents a literature that cannot be to the liking of the present occupant of the cloister since she has been there several days without turning over a single leaf or even taking up one of the volumes to look at it that she is not there with her own will but against it can be told by her words and as their tone her manner while giving utterance to them seated upon the side of the bed she has sprung to her feet and with arms raised aloft and tossed about strides distractedly over the floor one seeing her thus might well imagine her to be what she half fancies herself insane a supposition strengthened by an unnatural lustre in her eyes and a hectic flush on her cheeks unlike the hue of health still not as with one suffering bodily sickness or any physical ailment but more as from a mind diseased 
seen for only a moment that particular moment such would be the conclusion regarding her but her speech coming after tells she is in full possession of her senses only under terrible agitation distraught with some great trouble it must be a convent but how have i come into it into france too for surely am i there the woman who brings my meals is french so the other sister of mercy as she calls herself though she speaks my own tongue the furniture bed table chairs washstand everything of french manufacture and in all england there is not such a jug and basin as those regarding the lavatory utensils so diminutive as to recall gulliver's travels in lilliput if ever read by her she for a moment seems to forget her misery as will in its very midst and keenest at sight of the ludicrous and grotesque it is quickly recalled as her glance wandering around the room again rests on the little statue not of marble but of cheap plaster of paris cast and she reads the inscription underneath la mère de dieu the symbols tell her she is inside a nunnery and upon the soil of france oh yes she exclaims tis certainly so i am no more in my native land but have been carried across the sea the knowledge or belief does not to tranquillize her feelings or explain the situation to her all mysterious instead it but adds to her bewilderment and she once more exclaims almost repeating herself am i myself is it a dream or have my senses indeed forsaken me she clasps her hands across her forehead the white fingers threading the thick folds of her hair which hangs dishevelled she presses them against her temples as if to make sure her brain is still untouched it is so or she would not reason as she does everything around shows i am in france but how came i to it who has brought me what offence have i given god or man to be dragged from home from country and confined imprisoned convent or whatever it be imprisoned i am the door constantly kept locked that window so high i cannot see over its sill the dim light it lets in telling it was not meant for enjoyment oh instead of cheering it tantalizes tortures me despairingly she reseats herself upon the side of the bed and with head still buried in her hands continues her soliloquy no longer of things present but reverting to the past let me think again what can i remember that night so happy in its beginning to end as it did the end of my life as i thought if i had a thought at that time it was not though or i shouldn't be here but in heaven i hope would i were in heaven now when i recall his words those last words and think your thoughts are sinful child 
the remark thus interrupting is made by a woman who appears on the threshold of the door which she had just pushed open a woman of mature age dressed in a floating drapery of deep black the orthodox garb of the holy sisterhood with all its insignia of girdle bead-roll and pendant crucifix a tall thin personage with skin like shrivelled parchment and a countenance that would be repulsive but for the nun's coif which partly concealing tones down its sinister expression with all a face disagreeable to gaze upon not the less so from its air of sanctity evidently affected the intruder is sister ursel she has opened the door noiselessly as cloister doors are made to open and stands between its jams like a shadowy silhouette in its frame one hand still holding the knob while in the other is a small volume apparently well thumbed that she has had her ear to the keyhole before presenting herself is told by the rebuke having reference to the last words of the girl's soliloquy in her excitement uttered aloud yes she continues sinful very sinful you should be thinking of something else than the world and its wickedness and of anything before that you have been thinking of the wickedness of all she thus spoken to had neither started at the intrusion nor does she show surprise at what is said it is not the first visit of sister ursel to her cell made in like stealthy manner nor the first austere speech she has heard from the same skinny lips at the beginning she did not listen to it patiently instead with indignation defiantly almost fiercely rejoining but the proudest spirit can be humbled even the eagle when its wings are beaten to exhaustion against the bars of its cage will become subdued if not tamed therefore the imprisoned english girl makes reply meekly and appealingly sister of mercy as you are called have mercy upon me tell me why i am here for the good of your soul and its salvation but how can that concern any one save myself ah there you mistake child which shows the sort of life you've been hitherto leading and the sort of people surrounding you who in their sinfulness imagine all as themselves they cannot conceive that there are those who deem it a duty nay a direct command from god to do all in their power for the redemption of lost sinners and restoring them to his divine favour he is all merciful true he is i do not need to be told it only who these redemptionists are that take such interest in my spiritual welfare and how i have come to be here surely i may know you shall in time ma fille now you cannot must not for many reasons what reasons well for one you have been very ill nigh unto death indeed i know that without knowing how of course the accident which came so near depriving you of life was of that sudden nature and your senses but i mustn't speak further about it the doctor has given strict directions that you are to be kept quiet and it might excite you 
be satisfied with knowing that they who have placed you here are the same who saved your life and would now rescue your soul from perdition i brought you this little volume for perusal it will help to enlighten you she stretches out her long bony fingers handing the book one of those aids to faith relied upon by the apostles of the propaganda the girl mechanically takes it without looking at or thinking of it still pondering upon the unknown and mysterious benefactors who as she is told have done so much for her how good of them she rejoins with an air of incredulity and in tones that might be taken as derisive how wicked of you retorts the other taking it in this sense positively ungrateful she adds with the acerbity of a baffled proselytiser i'm sorry child you still cling to your sinful thoughts and keep up the rebellious spirit in face of all that is being done for your good but i shall leave you now and go and pray for you hoping on my next visit to find you in a more proper frame of mind so saying sister ursel glides out of the cloister drawing to the door and silently turning the key in its lock oh god groans the young girl in despair flinging herself along the pallet and for the third time interrogating am i myself and dreaming or am i mad in mercy heaven tell me what it means End of chapter 10 Read by Lars Rolander